Shalom Uvracha, everyone. Welcome to Yardsite Yomi. This past Shabbos, Yod Aleph Cheshvan marked the 83rd Yardsite of Rav Pesach Pruskin Zatzal, the Rav and Rosh Hashiva in Kobrin. He was Nifter in 1939. Really a fascinating life story of Rav Pesach. He was born to his widowed mother, and he was named after his father, who had passed away several months prior to his birth. Rav Pesach was not a gifted child and compensated with his exemplary hasmada and determination, harnessing his inspiration and toiling to satiate his thirst for Torah learning. And a chain of, of uh, hashkacha had really kept young Pesach in the Torah environment. When he was born, his mother was without any means of support. And she took her five children to the home of her grandfather, Rav Pinchas Michal, who was the Rav in Antipolit, where she was provided with minimal sustenance. And the widow and the family lived in abject poverty. And the Rav of Antipol, that's the uh, young young Pesach's great-grandfather, had a son who became attracted to Haskalah. And this son had ran off to Paris, where he eventually became a professor of philosophy. You know, a real Moscow. He translated the Gemara into French, but, you know, was a regular Moscow. So needless to say, uh, the parents were heartbroken, and they actually sat Shiva for their once-beloved son, who exchanged the life of Torah for French philosophy. And they both died shortly thereafter, probably of heartache, and the, this son, this uh, French philosopher, came back after their passing, you know, very, uh, you know, contrite and, you know, uh, remorseful. And they came, he came to their, uh, you know, to their kvarim to beg forgiveness from his departed parents. And everyone was really impressed that this was, you know, seemed to be a genuine Balchuva. Now, this uh, son of Rupinchas Machal took note of the poverty in which his niece had lived. So that's the mother of our hero, Rav Pesach Pruskin. And he tried to persuade the young widow to entrust him with her five children. And he, and he promised that he'll raise them as, you know, Shemr Teru Mitzvah Yidin. So she sent the four older children with him. The, the, she sent four older children with him, two boys and two girls. But young Pesach, was, you know, she felt that Pesach was too young. And uh, he stayed with his mother. Later on, the uncle came back asking for Pesach. But the eight-year-old boy refused to go with him, insisting that he must continue learning in Cheder. Now, so he was spared Pesach from going with this uncle. Unfortunately, the uncle didn't live up to his promise. And years later, when Pesach was traveling to America, he stopped over in Paris and contacted his siblings, and they were totally assimilated. And unfortunately, you know, they, they had married, uh, their spouses were Jewish, but today their children and grandchildren are like very celebrated French atomic scientists, and the grandchildren of Pesach can be found in many um, of the of the major Kaolim and Yeshivas in America and Eretz Yisrael. So uh, that was how Reb Pesach was spared. Reb Pesach continued learning, finding hunger and poverty no hindrance, and in his teens, he joined the Yeshiva of the Chavetz Chaim in Raden. And he later went to Slabotka, where he was inspired by the altar of Nosson Finkel. A group of Slabotka Talmidim once decided to visit the famed Yeshiva, in Kelm for Elul, and no one was ever expect, accepted to Kelm without prior permission. And these boys were, were, were told to go back to Slobodka. But Pesach Kabriner went to the altar of Kelm of Simchel Zizelziv, and he begged with tears in his eyes. He says, I'm begging you, please allow me to stay. And he alone remained for over a year. Uh, now, when the altar of Slobodka selected Slutsk, a large city in White Russia to replace one of his yeshivas. So, of course, he dispatched Ravisa Zalman Meltzer as Rosh Yeshiva with 14 Talmidim, and among them was Pesach Kabrino. The others were Rav Leza Yudofinkel, Zatzal, and Rav Sheftel Kramer. Um, 
then the 14 Talmudim were known, they became known as the Yad, like the Yad HaChazaka of the Rambam, the Yad is Gematria 14, and they served as a nucleus of the new yeshiva. After their Pesach married to Paralipchitz, he earned his living as a night watchman in an orchard, and this job afforded him the opportunity to, to study, and he, he would complete the entire Morinavuchim of the Rambam during that time. And in this period, Rav Zalman invited him, invited Rav Pesach to return to Slutsk as the Mashkiach Yeshiva, and for unknown reasons, he refused. And one of uh, Rav Pesach's children thereafter became critically ill, and Rav Pesach viewed this as a sign that he should have taken the post as Mashiach, as Mashkiach, sorry. So Rav Pesach made a nether that if the child would live, he would take the post and dedicate his life to Taira and teaching Taira. The child recovered and Rav Pesach was on his way. He accepted the position of Mashkiach in Slutsk, you know, working together with uh, Rav Isser Zalman. In Slutsk, Rav Pesach began to experience a breakthrough in his Torah study. He began to learn with new vigor and confidence. And in a short time, it became noticeable that uh, Rav Pesach, who was the quintessential Masmid, also became a Bucky and a Harif, a great, uh, you know, uh, very sharp person with, with, uh, with tremendous Torah knowledge and a great, uh, great uh, became a great Talmud Chacham. In uh, 1911, Rav Pesach became the Rav of Amsitzlav and opened the yeshiva over there. But when the Bolsheviks took over Russia and his native city of Kobrin was incorporated into Poland by the Soviet-Polish Treaty of Riga in 1922, so he escaped the communist rule to return to his native Kobrin, where he became Rav and opened another yeshiva, which is very rare. You know, it's uncommon that a native son should become a Rav in his hometown, but that's exactly what happened. And he became the Rav, and of course he opened the yeshiva, became Rav and Rosh Yeshiva in Kobrin. And among his Talmidim was the son of the Rav of Starobin, who is known as Moshe Starobiner, or the Starobiner Iloi, who stayed in the Shiva Shklov for a number of years. Later, of course, he became known as the, the Moshe, Moshe Starobiner, became known as Moshe Feinstein, the great Pesach Hadar. Uh, and Rabbi Moshe would always credit his Rebbe, Rav uh, Pesach Pruskin, uh, for his. Uh, his own godless. For Pesach was active in Agudas Yisrael, attending most of the Knesset's Gedolas. He was among the first to recognize the value of the Beis Yaakov movement and insisted that a Beis Yaakov should be opened in Kobrin. He even asked for, uh, he, he, he reached out to Sarashnir to send her, to send him a, uh, you know, someone, a girl who could, who could lead the seminary. A whole story in and of itself. Um, the, uh, the, the, Chama uh, Shapiro was the name of the one who opened the seminary in Kobrin. In 1939, the Red Army marched into Poland, and upon occupying Kobrin, they closed the yeshiva and the Beis Yaakov. And shortly thereafter, perhaps as a result of this twin tragedy, that Pesach's heart stopped beating at the age of 60 on Yudal Chesed in 1939. Now his son, Rav Avram Pruskin, escaped to America with some of his father's written shirim, which were published posthumously by Pesach's grandson, Rav Nassan Zatchovsky, of Mnebrak, under the title, Shiurim Maran Rav Pesach Mikobrin. Yehezich Rebaruch Zechusai Yagin Aleinu.